Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we rejoice that we come to this time and this season of preparation. We thank you, O oh God, that you graced us with the incarnation of your beloved Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we look forward, hopefully, in great anticipation of his return upon this earth. We thank you, O oh Lord, that truly our judge is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven. Behold and visit this vine. Psalm eighty fourteen welcomes us to this first Sunday in Advent. It beckons us to cry out along with the psalmist, along with all the people of God. Lord, behold and visit this vine, this vine of Israel that you have planted, that you have grafted us in, grafting us into the true Israelite, the only Israelite, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who has redeemed us from our sin, from death, and from Satan. And we enter into this season of anticipation, of yearning, of eagerly hoping that this day, that this day today will be the last not as in the end of the world, but as in the last day of this wicked and evil age that we find ourselves in. For while many moderns and many postmoderns in our society, they seek after a new age, but a new age of their own making, a new age that reflects themselves and their fallenness, they end up falling even further, worshiping themselves, or even worse, worshiping and seeking counsel from the demons. But we, as Christ followers, as little Christ, as Christians, we awake and we await the completion of that dawn of the age of Christ that began with the babe and the manger that shall be consummated at the great marriage supper of the Lamb when the church, the people of God, goes from being betrothed, being promised to our Lord, to that great marriage, to Christ our God. There's a lot packed into that short statement, drawing from the illustrations of Scripture. But Scripture itself is just jam-packed with the imagery of Christ's return. Yes, even imminence, because although it's been 2,000 years since God the Son became the babe in the manger, died in the flesh, rose again in the flesh, and ascended into heaven in His flesh, St. Peter reminds us, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. St. Peter quoting Psalm 90, verse 4, to remind us, quote, that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's all grace. God the Father, in His divine mercy, to save all the sheep who are called into His salvation, has great patience towards us as more people are being redeemed, as the church heeds the call, as the church fulfills her mission to proclaim what the bridegroom, who we've been betrothed to, has done for each one of us. He will do for those who are not yet in the flock. And we're given a promise a promise in today's scripture that when the number of his elect is complete, then, and then only then, 
out of his great patience, will he then send his son to join his people together and then judge the cosmos? Meanwhile, on this side of that anticipated marriage feast of the Lamb, we face challenges, we face trials, we face tribulations. And it's not uncommon for us to encounter strangers, to encounter friends, to encounter very own family members echoing what Peter even prophesied in 2 Peter 3 verse 4. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the very beginning of creation. Peter notes that when people mock God at what appears to be his tarrying, in reality, it's God's grace towards those who are mocking him. The unbeliever forgets and denies not only did God make the heavens and the earth, but also he previously judged the world, as Peter says, with water, and he reminds us that all perished. So just as in the pre-diluvian, the pre-flood world, how it was judged by water, and only Noah and his family were saved upon that ark, so now are we called, as members of the only righteous one, Jesus the Christ, to preach repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is near. But this time, this time, the judgment, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 6, will be a testing and a refining, to quote, by the same word, that is the logos in the Greek, by the same word, the word of God, Jesus, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until that day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And this fire is a refining fire as the presence of God himself enters into his creation with his holy and mighty glory completely revealed. It's why St. Paul tells us that we will be tested with fire. And if we've heeded Christ's call in faith, we shall be refined as the finest silver or gold. Think back to the transfiguration. When the three saw Christ transfigured, a peak of his glory as he appeared white, whiter than any launderer could ever make. That's how we too shall be refined, reflecting the image of the Son who reflects the image of the Father. Or as Psalm 66.10 tells us, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Peter, in the first chapter of his first letter, tells us in verse 6-7, through seven, In this you rejoice! Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, so that's more precious than gold, your faith, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the revealing of Christ our Lord. That is Advent. In other words, instead of us obsessing over the signs, over the wind, over the times that we live in, we must be dedicated in the present, in the here, and the now, and be prepared for God our King and the kingdom draw near. However, because our Lord Jesus Christ, He knows us, He knows our curiosity, and like His very own disciples asked, 
Lord, when will these things occur? He graciously answers us in today's reading in Mark 13 and verse 24. He says to them, in those days after the tribulation, after the wars, the rumors of wars, the pestilences, the earthquakes, then, quote, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. It'll be worldwide. It's an enhanced version of the reaction of the cosmos and creation itself when Christ, the Son of God, was crucified. Remember, how the earthquake occurs, the sun darkened, creation reacts to the word dying upon the tree of the cross. But this time, all the world will see the cosmos reacting as the king of kings descends. Matthew records in his own gospel that the sign of the Son of Man will be seen like lightning flashing from east to west. It will be seen by all. Mark continues in verse 26 of his own account in chapter 13. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. For truly the day is coming when you will see with your very own eyes, lo, he comes with clouds descending, live and in action, actually occurring. As Christ fulfills that prophetic message that he gave to the prophet Daniel in chapter 7, 13 of his vision. When Daniel the prophet said, quote, Behold, with clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So what do we also hear from our Lord in the reading from Mark? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his words will never pass away, and neither shall his kingdom as promised in Daniel. Do you hear that good news, that gospel? People think of the, of the judgment, and there's fear. I know there is. Fear about that judgment. Fear about that great day. But we rest in Christ. We walk in faith and in love by his spirit that enlivens us. And we are called to a work and to a task that is just as urgent as it was in 33 AD as it is here today. Because there are members of every tribe, every nation, every language on this earth. People called into the kingdom. And that's why Peter tells us there's work to be done. Because God in his grace has patience Patience for us who serve in his kingdom, who spread good news to our neighbors who are called into him. Jesus explains how we, the church, are being used and how he will fulfill Daniel's vision by using us, the people of God. He tells us how in that great day in Mark 13, verse 27, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So those who have died in Christ and those who are living shall be gathered together before their king. Now, Christians, we live as Americans where that spirit of individualism runs strong. And it's a strong check against sinful mankind, against the necessity of government that are made by men and can be corrupted by men. But as members of Christ, as citizens of heaven, we're also monarchists called to serve the true king, the only king. 
And to be servants of that king means to be about his business. We pray, and we're about to pray once again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we mean what we pray, that means that we're called to serve as servants of the Most High. The rest of the world lives as though life goes on day by day. Another day in the life. Rinse and repeat. Just do what you can to get by. But not us. We are not called to slothfulness. We have no time for laziness because we're called into good works and gospel heralding has been delivered to us. The scriptures, the gospel is a message given to us not to hide, not to bury, but to go and to be fruitful, to spread into all the world. So do not be lulled into sleep, but awake, O church. There's work to be done. We decorate the church, the home, with lights, with sound, with joy. But this should be an image of how we live our lives out there with the light of Christ burning within us as this candle burns before us, awaiting his return. The light that he gives to us, the fire which he has baptized us with by the power of the Holy Spirit, by having faith in Christ alone. So do not be worried about the wars that are ongoing, about the rumors of wars that erupt, about the disasters that occur, about the disease and pestilence, about the day-to-day disasters that wreck our lives. These are all but birth pains before the night is over and the dawn appears and Christ is with us face to face. And church, disregard those false prophets who come claiming to know when Christ shall return. They come with charts, with numbers, claiming to have divined the secret knowledge of God. They claim to have cracked his code. But Christ told us, quote, concerning that day, concerning that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. And Peter warns us of not only false prophets, but false teachers, of deniers that shall come and are even here now. Quote, but false prophets also are among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them... The way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. 2 Peter 2, 1-3. through Yes, the sensualities of many false teachers, who are even within the church even now, will disregard sin. They will bless that which God has declared unholy. And this goes from even the greedy preacher who is promising healing if someone would just give a few dollars more to the mainline churches who deny Scripture, who deny the clear teaching of Scripture, who profane God by denying that He created us in His image. Male and female, He created them. And that that creep of heresy doesn't always start with the big cultural issues of the time. That creep of heresy starts by denying the truth of the written word of God given to us by the living word of God. It can be denying that Christ is God the Son. It can be denying the virgin birth. And for so many Christians, it's even denying that Christ shall return in glory to judge the living and the dead. 
But Mark and Peter, they're not alone in warning God's people. In Matthew's version of Jesus responding to his disciples, he records in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But not all is lost. For then Christ continues, and he encourages us, and he exhorts us. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Endure, O children of God. Dwell and rest in the faith of Christ, of what he has done for us, and what he shall do for his people upon his return. For Christ promises in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Until then, we live in a time and a place that are like the days of Noah. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 24, verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood... They were eating and drinking. They were marrying and they were giving over into marriage until the day in which Noah entered into the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And if you know Genesis and you know the story of Noah, you know that Noah warned the people and they mocked him. Noah built the ark as a testimony, as a warning, and they reviled him. Noah boarded the boat of salvation and they scoffed and the rains came. And likewise, we are given that call of Noah to be faithful, to preach the word of God in season and out of season, to build his church piece by piece, to faithfully heed Christ's call to enter the ark of salvation before the rain. As Christ says today in Mark 14, 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Or as Peter encourages us in 1 Peter, in chapter 1, 8 through 9, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Therefore, how do we now live here in this Advent? For this season of Advent it never ends. It's the evergreen season for us as we await, as we anticipate Christ's return. But we do not lazily sit. We do not await his return. We awake for his return. We are given a mission to wake up for and to take hold of. Christ tells us in Mark 13, 34, it's like a man going on a journey. He leaves home and then he puts the servants in charge. And each one of his servants has his own work. And he commands the doorkeeper as he leaves, stay awake. And truly, each one of us has been given a calling. And we are charged, just like the doorkeeper, to stay awake. And this call to stay awake is given to us three times in those last three verses of today's gospel account. Christ charges once again in verse 35, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, 
stay awake. Wake up, O church, for your God draws near. Pray for the work that he redeemed you to walk in. Cry out to him, strengthen us in our weakness, because in our weakness, he demonstrates his strength. That we as weak vessels, weak clay pots, he forms us and solidifies us and fills us with himself. So may his glorious presence glorify us through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's gifted each one of you to the faith that you have in what Christ has done for us on the cross and in his resurrection. And as Peter exhorts us in the second letter, in verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people should you be but in lives of holiness and godliness as we prepare for our king? And living lives of holiness, it requires giving and sharing ourselves so that the gospel that transforms us goes out into our fellow man. It goes back to that light that Christ has given us. We don't put it under a table, under the stool. We set it there where it may be seen, so that all may see by the light of Christ burning within us. And Peter continues in his own letter, in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. He continues, Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this growth that we're called to do is laid out for us in his written word. The work that we're called, that we're enrolled to go forth for our king, is a joyful work as we head to this joyful season because that fragrance of life in the midst of death is what we bear and what we bring to others. So take heart. For Christ has revealed to you through his holy word so that you may have faith. And as Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, in verses 7 of chapter 1, you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our one hope, our one faith, our one Lord through the one Spirit, thanks be to God through that one baptism, is anchored upon the God, quote, whom is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So therefore, as the banner of our church proclaims right there in the back, as that banner bears witness to us in this season, the Lord is coming. So may we live our lives henceforth in that truth, and may our living by not only our deeds, but also with our mouth by what we say and how we talk and share with others, tell others that the reality is that the time is now for repentance from sins. That the time is now for our salvation draws near. That the day has come. Walk in the daylight of Christ. Have faith as our King draws near. May we keep a holy advent. This December and every day as we enter into 2024. Because we're in a season that will only truly end at Christ's return. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come now, Lord Jesus.
Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to Donate Online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.